Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time here on blogtalkradio.com with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show. As always, I want to take the time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, our guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of February the 5th, 2018, I can gladly once again, tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. Now, for the folks in the city of brotherly love, it is time to party like it is 1960. Why? Because the Philadelphia Eagles are NFL champions. The Eagles were able to knock off the New England Patriots last night for their first NFL championship since 1960 and their first Super Bowl championship in franchise history now this was a historic night for the philadelphia eagles they did it with the back with their backup quarterback and nick Foles. of course we saw you know carson wentz go down late in the regular season with that acl injury and of course nobody and i mean absolutely nobody within this eagles organization flinched as there was 100 percent belief and nick Foles that he would be able to go out there and get the job done and he did so in route to being super bowl mvp also the victory by the eagles marks now that the nfc east is the only division in the nfl where all four teams have at least one title of course the dallas cowboys have five the new york giants have four the washington redskins have three and now philadelphia is on the board with their first title and you know credit where credit is due for philly in this game because they basically beat the new england patriots at their own game New England won the coin toss. They deferred like they typically do. However, Philly was able to take the opening kickoff and march down the field on a 14-play, 67-yard drive that resulted in a 25-yard field goal from Jake Elliott. But for me, yeah, Philly only scored three points on the drive, but it was a tone setter. Uh, The Patriots were able to respond. They moved the football, and they got down in scoring range before they were stopped, and they had to settle for a Steven Gostowski, uh field goal to make it three apiece. But I love how the Eagles immediately came back and responded with a quick three-play 77-yard drive that was capped off when Nick Foles went deep to wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey on a 34-yard touchdown pass to give Philly the 9-3 to advantage as Elliott would miss the extra point. Now, New England would come back. They would have to settle for another field goal attempt, and a botched snap left, led to a missed field goal, and that was costly in this game for the Patriots. Now, uh, New England finally did get a stop uh, on defense. They gave the ball back, but, you know, the trick plays – weren't working for New England, and they were working for Philadelphia in this contest. I'll get into that in a little bit. We saw the, the razzle-dazzle 
from the Patriots with Danny Amendola attempted to pass to Tom Brady, and it was just out of the fingertips of Brady. Of course, the Patriots went for it on fourth down. There was a questionable now pass interference call against Jalen Mills on tight end Rob Gronkowski, and then uh, Philly got the ball back on downs. Philly kept the pressure on New England in this game. Of course, LeGarrette Blunt uh, with that big 21-yard touchdown run midway through the second quarter. It was 15-6, to and it looked like the momentum was about to change when New England scored with about two minutes left in the half on a 26-yard run from James White. And this was a seven-play, 90-yard drive, and this was the culmination of an interception uh, by the Patriots secondary, which, uh, you know, set them up to, uh, you know, get this drive. And it looked like they were getting back into this game because at this point, Philly's defense appeared to be wearing down with the up-tempo nature of the Patriots' offense. But a big momentum shift just prior to the first, uh, first half ending. When Philly marched down the field on a quick seven-play, 70-yard drive, and New England did stop them on third goal. And for all intents and purposes, it appeared that uh, Philadelphia was going, to go, was going to go for the field goal. But credit to Doug Peterson, you know, you play to win the game, as Herman Edwards infamously said years ago. Uh, they went for it on fourth down and the razzle-dazzle that the Patriots could not execute when they had the ball. The Eagles were able to execute as uh, H-back Trey Burton connected with quarterback Nick Foles on a one-yard touchdown pass to make it 22-12. to The Patriots weren't able to score before, before the first half ended. You knew this team was going to make those adjustments in the second half. They did so. They came out right away. Marched right down the field on an eight-play, 75-yard drive. It ended when, with Tom Brady connected with tight end Rob Gronkowski on a five-yard touchdown hookup to make it 22-19. to But again, the Pats could not stop this Eagles offense. Philly came right down the, back down the field on an 11-play, 85-yard drive, and Foles connected with Corey Clement on a 22-yard hookup to make it 29-19 to 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 at that point. Now, New England would immediately respond. They put together a drive, and, you know, Brady connected with Chris Hogan to keep the pressure on Philly at 29-26. to And then, you know, mid-late, or pardon me, early in the fourth quarter, New England finally got their first lead of the game when Brady connected with uh, Gronkowski again on a four-yard touchdown pass, which capped off a 10-play 75-yard drive to give them the lead at 33-32. to However, credit to this Philly offense and credit to Nick Foles. Once again, they responded. A long 14-play, 75-yard drive that ate up more than seven minutes worth of game clock, and Foles connected with uh, tight end Zach Ertz on a controversial uh, touchdown pass. It looked pretty good to me, and, you know, it gave Philly the lead again. And, you know, at this point, two minutes, a little bit more than two minutes, it's the perfect time for Tom Brady. He's been in this situation before. But that Philly defense would not allow it to happen. They forced that key turnover. It led to a uh, field goal. And, you know, to make it 41-33, to New England got the football back. But this Philly defense simply stymied them. And, you know, they went on to win this contest by the score of 41-33. to And, I mean, you look inside of the numbers, Philly knew what they were doing, especially on third down. They were 10-16. That was huge right there because – those, you know, you keep the momentum going for your team. More importantly, you keep Tom Brady on the sideline. Tom Brady can't beat you if he's, you know, reviewing films or he has a drink of water in his hand. He can't beat you. 
And Philly possessed the football last night more than 34 minutes. That's how you do it. You know, they had over 500 yards of total offense, but it was a way that they were able to mix it up. You look at what Foles was able to do in the passing game. He was 28 of 43 for 373 yards or three TDs and a pick. But then you also look at the fact that Philly had 164 yards on the ground with 90 of those coming from Garrett Blunt. I think that the Eagles did a solid job as far as mixing and matching, uh, you know, their play calling. I think Foles did a darn good job of getting the football out quick and more importantly, this Patriots defense never sacked Nick Foles, and that was a big uh, to-do in this contest. Now, New England typically doesn't run the football efficiently in their Super Bowls. They had 113 yards on the ground last night, but, of course, it was another big game from Tom Brady. He was 28-48 passing for 505 yards with three touchdowns and no picks, and he was sacked, and, he, of course, he had that, that key turnover late. But, you know, if you look at Brady's, some things that you're going to earmark in this contest. Obviously, you know, the missed reception by Tom Brady on third down in the second quarter. That's one thing. Something else that you're going to earmark as well is not having the services of Brandon Cooks as he took a vicious shot. And at that point, it was a totally legal shot because the way the wide receiver Brandon Cooks was running around, he was considered a runner at that point. And yes, there was helmet to helmet on that play, but it was within the rules from Malcolm Jenkins. And, of course, that concussion knocked him out of the contest. And that really changed what the Patriots were able to do because that was their home run hitter. And Brandon Cooks, that was their deep threat. And with him being gone, it changed things. Now, I will give the Patriots and offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels a ton of credit for making the adjustments at halftime. Why? because Rob Gronkowski was being shadowed everywhere he went in the first half, and his Eagles defense was basically daring somebody else to beat them. And, you know, Dan, to the credit of Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan, they were doing their part in the first half, you know, to, you know, pick up the slack, especially with, uh, with Cooks not being there. But this Patriots offense did make the adjustments. They got Gronkowski involved much more in the second half as he finished with nine catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. But I'm looking at this Patriots defense, and for me it's going to start with head coach Bill Belichick. And that this is one of those questions that he's going to have to answer for a very long time. Why did Malcolm Butler not play in this contest? And all you have heard from the Patriots after this game was, you know, well, it was a coach's decision, and they were looking at the personnel matchups going into this contest with Philly. My thing is this. Malcolm Butler is your best cover corner. It's not Stephon Gilmore, although you paid Stephon Gilmore like he was your best cover corner. That is Malcolm Butler. And I think if Malcolm Butler was on that field, it would have changed not only the fact that Philly was 10 of 16 on third down, I think it would have also changed the fact that New England's defense was unable to sack Nick Foles because if receivers are are, are not running open in the in the uh in their in the passing route, in the passing game, it's a situation the quarterback's going to hold the football a little bit longer. And sometimes that's all that those edge rushers need. They just need that less, that, that, that just that next split second, maybe a half second just to get home. And they didn't have that last night because they weren't getting that push, plain and simple. 
So if you're Bill Belichick, he's not going to go out there and publicly admit it, but he did have his hand in helping his team lose this contest. Now, from Philly's standpoint, I will give Doug Peterson a ton of credit because he learned from the teams that have fallen by the wayside versus the New England Patriots in the, in, in the playoffs. If you go back to the AFC Championship game, Jacksonville, for all intents and purposes, had the Patriots beat, but they took their foot off of the throttle. If you go back to the end of the first half, Jacksonville had two timeouts and about a minute's worth of game clock left, and they took a knee. And it was a situation that showed they simply don't trust Blake Bortles because if you trust Blake Bortles, you at least go out there and try to get a field goal, if not a touchdown. And like I said, after the championship game uh, recap, if if the shoe was on the other foot and you give Belichick and Brady a four-point lead, you give them the football at their own 25 with about a minute left and two timeouts, they're, they're going to push it down the field, and they are going to at least get a field goal, if not a touchdown. And that is something that has separated the Patriots because, and I've said it before and I've said it multiple times, the Patriots are infamous in that regard from the standpoint where they get the ball late in the first half, they drive down, they score, they get the ball to start the second half, and then they score again. And a close game all of a sudden becomes a blowout. It could be a situation as a Patriots opponent that you're down 14 to 10, and all of a sudden you're down 28 to 10. And that changes your game plan. That changes, you know, your play calling and everything. And, you know, that, you know, we didn't see that, you know, last night from the Philadelphia Eagles. It was a situation Rex Ryan talked about it years ago that he wasn't there to kiss Bill Belichick's rings infamously uh, when he became the head coach of the Jets. It was a situation with Doug Peterson uh, last night. And if you go back, now it's a situation where Bill Belichick is 5-3 and three in the Super Bowl as a head coach of the Patriots. The biggest difference in those wins and losses is not what the Patriots did. It's what their opponents didn't do. And if you go back to the three losses, the two to the Giants, and then, of course, the one last night to Philadelphia, those head coaches, Tom Coughlin twice, Doug Peterson last night, they never took their foot off of the throttle. They're, of course, there's, people are going to be controversial about the Patriots' first Super Bowl win versus the Rams. But, you know, I, I watched that game over and over and I've watched, I even watched their regular season matchup that season over and over. There was never any controversy about that. The Rams got beat. And for my money, it was a situation where the Rams played as if, you know what, all we have to do is put our sneakers on the turf because it was AstroTurf at the time that they played in the Superdome on. If we put our sneakers on the turf, we were going to beat this team because the Patriots were a huge underdog in that game. If you go back to Super Bowl number 38, when the Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers, John Fox made a couple of questionable calls in that game. He started going for two-point conversions when he didn't have to. Then on top of that, after Carolina came back and tied the game at 29, you know, John Casey kicked the football out of bounds 
uh, on the uh, on the ensuing kickoff, and you know the Patriots got the football at the forty, and it set Adam Vinatieri in great range to kick the game-winning field goal. If you go back to Super Bowl number thirty-nine versus the Philadelphia Eagles, of course that was under uh, head coach Andy Reid, and then of course uh, quarterback Donovan McNabb. It was a situation where the moment got too big for Donovan McNabb, and Philadelphia lost. You know, if you go back to when the Patriots beat the Seattle Seahawks, Seattle simply outthought themselves, and they got cocky, and I'll tell you why. In that contest, Seattle held the 24-14 lead in the fourth quarter against New England, and they just basically felt defensively, you know what, we're the legion of boom. Tom Brady's not going to beat us, but they forgot who they were dealing with. And Tom Brady rallied that team, and, of course, the rest is history. Now, even with that, Seattle still had a chance to win that game late, and they simply, you know, outsmarted themselves. You got the ball inside of the one-yard line, give it to Marshawn Lynch. The, the, I mean, there's no there's no other way to say it. You give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, game is over. You win. You go back to last year versus the Falcons. Atlanta's up 28-3. to And if you continue to run the football, because, again, Devonta Freeman was averaging over six yards per carry in that contest, New England's defense could not, could not stop him. And you outsmarted yourself. Instead of sticking with your running game, you wanted to put Matt Ryan on his pedestal so he could be Super Bowl MVP, and it bit you in the derriere. That's why they don't have a title. Now, Doug Peterson last night, was aggressive throughout. And, you know, you go back to that play call just before the first half ended, I think that was tremendous. They possibly could have gotten, might have gotten away with an illegal formation on that play. But you know what? At this point, it's would have, could have, should have. The touchdown counts, and that's all that matters. So, I, you know, the, Nick, Pol- Nick Foles is going to get the MVP of this uh of the Super Bowl. Honestly, I, you know, obviously a coach is not, but I think, you know, Doug Peterson came up with a great game plan. And, you know, I said, going in, I picked new England. I said, new England 31 to 23. Uh, I, I, I said, it was going to be a situation that for the Philadelphia Eagles to win, Nick Foles had to throw one interception or less. He threw one and they had to force at least two interceptions from Tom Brady that was not the case, but the fact that Philly was able to keep their defense on the sideline and keep them fresh, because once the Patriots were running that no huddle, once they were running up-tempo a lot, you know, you could see that Eagles defense was starting to get tired, and especially by doing the no huddle offense, it did not give Philadelphia an opportunity to rotate their defensive line where they have a lot of depth, and that's what they've done all season long under defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz, was to go out there and keep, you know, their defensive linemen fresh. Now, you would typically say to the victor goes the spoils if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. This is going to be an extremely interesting offseason for this team. You have invested so much in Carson Wentz. You traded up in 2016 to draft him second overall. And before Carson Wentz got hurt, there were a lot of people, myself included, that believed that he was the NFL MVP. But now 
Carson Wentz gets hurt. Nick Foles goes out there and wins a Super Bowl. You can't keep both of them. And, you know, it's a little bit different because I know that there are going to be some people out there that are going to say, well, you know, it's a Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe scenario. No, I mean, Drew Bledsoe was not drafted by Bill Belichick when Belichick took over. Obviously, Bledsoe was there. Bledsoe was a little bit older as a quarterback as well, and he had a high salary cap. It's a situation now, obviously Doug Peterson drafted Carson Wentz, but he also brought in Nick Foles because Nick Foles was familiar with, you know, Doug Peterson's offense from his time in Kansas City under Andy Reid. And, you know, even with that, you know, they tried to, like, make put plays in there that Nick Foles was most comfortable with. And that is a tremendous, you know, credit to Doug Peterson as well as offensive coordinator Frank Wright. Now, for the sake of argument, if you're Philly, and you trade Nick Foles, you're going to get a ton of heat because it's going to say, well, how can you trade somebody that just won a Super Bowl, and how could you trade a Super Bowl MVP? You trade Nick Foles, you stick with Carson Wentz. Now Carson Wentz is going to have that pressure on his shoulder. He already had a ton of pressure coming into Philadelphia and being their starting quarterback. But now you're going to have more pressure due to the fact that, well, no matter what you do, it's not Nick Foles. Because if you bring Carson Wentz back as your quarterback in 2018 and Philly doesn't win the Super Bowl and Nick Foles is on another team, that's extra pressure to Carson Wentz. But if it's a situation, if you move on from Carson Wentz, and stick with Nick Foles. People are going to say, well, what could have been for Carson Penn, Carson Wentz? Because at this situation, the way things are looking right now, he might have gotten Wally pipped. Either way, I don't see a situation where both of these guys are on the Eagles roster in 2018. There is absolutely no way that you can keep both. And Philadelphia should not try because there are so many teams – around the National Football League that are desperate to have a starting quarterback. At this point, honestly, whomever they trade, whether it's Carson Wentz or whether it's Nick Foles, they're at least going to get one first-round pick for him. I mean, you're looking at it. The Buffalo Bills need a quarterback. The New York Jets need a quarterback. Uh, You look at the Cleveland Browns, they need a quarterback. You look at the Arizona Cardinals, they're in search for a quarterback, the Denver Broncos, and there's not going to be enough quarterbacks to go around for everybody in the NFL draft. And at the same time, you don't know what those guys can bring to the table. So if you're Howie Roseman, who's running Philadelphia's front office, it's basically time right now to sit back and field calls, and you just have to see whom you are going to go forward with. But it's going to be hard-pressed to push Nick Foles to the side after what he was able to do in this playoff run. That's it. I mean, I go back to the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. They won it with their defense, naturally. And basically, you know, Trent Dilfer's job 
was to go out there and not lose the game. And he did a solid job of it. The Ravens felt, you know what, in 2001, we need to upgrade our offense. And they brought in Elvis Gerback. And it looked great on paper. Elvis Gerback, you know, he had some great seasons as a backup to Steve Young with the Niners. You know, was able to go out on his own and become a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, put up big numbers. But that one season with the Baltimore Ravens, it was a train wreck. And then after that season, he simply retired. He never looked back. So it's one of those things you have to be careful what you ask for. But Philadelphia, there's no way that both of these guys uh, can be on this roster next season. And, I mean, the New England Patriots, they've been the best organization in the NFL as far as, you know, adjusting and moving on from season to season. And I will say this about the Patriots. Obviously, this team is going to look extremely different next season. Josh McDaniels, their offensive coordinator, is set to take over and be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Patricia is expected to be introduced in a few days as a head coach of the Detroit Lions. I don't, after last night, I don't see any scenario where Malcolm Butler comes back to this team. And honestly, once they gave Stephon Gilmore that big contract last summer or last spring, I didn't see a scenario where uh, Malcolm Butler was coming back to this team. I, I mean, this guy made the key play in Super Bowl 49 to knock off the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, what the Patriots have done to him is, you know, total disrespect. We know that the Patriots have always been about, you know, underpaying guys, trying to, you know, stay, keep, you know, continuously have cap flexibility. But what they've done to Malcolm Butler is a total sign of disrespect. And I, I, I really, you know, he has two Super Bowl championships to his credit now. He's going to do what a lot of other expatriate players have done over the years. He's going to go on a free agent market, and he is going to make himself a ton of money. Now, there's going to be some teams out there, you know, that are going to look at, look at his services. One team I think that sticks out for me is going to be the Dallas Cowboys. You know, Jerry Jones definitely wants to upgrade his defense, uh, especially in the secondary at the cornerback position. So I think a guy like Malcolm Butler is going to go out there and get paid. He's going to get courted this offseason, and there's going to be somebody out there definitely, you know, who, you know, who wants to, uh, you know, have his services on their team for 2018. Now, Tom Brady – He's 40 years old. He's the NFL MVP. Obviously, we know about the situations this season with uh, Belichick trading Jimmy Garoppolo to the Niners. We know about the controversy that ensued from that as well. Uh, I mean, Tom, terrific. He has a few more years in him. I don't think that this loss takes away from his legacy because I think in this contest, Tom Brady was done in by his defense. I mean, you throw – for 500 yards in the game and you don't win, you're done in by your defense. Also, you know, they, and this is a credit to Philly's defense. A couple of those drives uh, in, the, in the first half where New England drove the football down inside of the 20 and they had to settle for field goals. And, again, Philly beat New England at their own game because defensively New England is all about we will let you move the football within the 20s, but once you get to the red zone, you're not going to get touchdowns. You're going to have to settle for field goals. Those came up big, especially on the uh, the Gostowski miss, and especially on the Gostowski missed extra point. So, Tom is still the ultimate competitor 
in the National Football League. And that's not taking anything away from any of the other guys on those other uh, 31 other teams. Tom just wants to go out there and compete. Uh, for the New, for New England Patriots, obviously they're going to get a healthy Julian Edelman back for 2018. I said it all season long. At some point, the Patriots were going to miss not having Edelman out there. That game was last night because you figure Edelman would have been that guy that when Brandon Cooks went down, he still would have went out there and made those big plays. And it was unfortunate for, you know, the Patriots. He suffered that torn ACL uh, during the preseason, and we really never got to see how good this offense could have clicked. But credit to Danny Amendola. He really stepped up in a big-time way in the absence of Edelman this past season. But, of course, the Patriots are going to look to have him back uh, next season. And, of course, Philly didn't have the services of Darren Sproles this season. And, you know, Darren Sproles, he's been one of the most dynamic third-down backs of this generation in the NFL. But the Eagles had so much depth at the running back position this year with Jay Ajayi, who they picked up from the Miami Dolphins this earlier this season via trade with Garrett Blunt, who helped the Patriots win the Super Bowl last year, came over in free agency to Philly. Of course, uh, Corey Clement out of Wisconsin. He was another big factor coming out of that backfield for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this season as, as you know, they went to the championship and, you know, they won it all. Now for Philadelphia, they find themselves in a new position and it's a good problem to have. They're, they're, they're going to be going into 2018 as the hunted. They crept, you know, they crept up on teams in 2016 with a rookie with Carson Wentz, but you could see that the fabric was there for something good to be built about this team. And Philly was able to, you know, to not only break through and make the playoffs this year, they won the NFC East. They got home field advantage and they rode that wave of momentum of everybody simply riding them off, writing them off rather, to a Super Bowl championship. Now you gotta try to come back and do it again. And obviously it's not easy because you gotta go back to the two thousand four Patriots to find the last team that was able to repeat in the National Football League. Of course, the 2014 Seattle Seahawks came close. They were uh, turned away by the New England Patriots. And then the Patriots last night uh, were turned away by uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think that the Patriots are going to go anywhere. I do think the loss, though, of both Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels will slow things down. And I think that everybody within the Patriots organization needs to go back and get on the same page again. Because, you know, the issues this season with Rob Crabb, uh, the owner, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, that wasn't, you know, that was tough. And, you know, that was going to be a tough situation anyway. I mean, you simply, pay, players come and go, but, it's you know, it's very tough to, you know, tell a guy like Tom Brady goodbye. And I, I, I don't think that Robert Kraft wanted it that way. He understands the importance of Tom Brady, and he wants Tom Brady to be a Patriot for life. He still has a few years left in him, and now it's just going to be up to the Patriots as far as, like, putting that team around him that's going to give him the chance and give them the opportunity to once again compete for another Super Bowl championship. But I know some people are going to say, well, Tom Brady has three losses in the Super Bowl, which is, which is fact. But to go five and three in those games – and to have eight appearances, which is hands down more than any other player uh, in Super Bowl history and much more than any other quarterback is phenomenal. I think when 
Tom Brady brought the Patriots back versus the Seattle Seahawks, he showed how great he is. Last year versus the Atlanta Falcons with the comeback, he cemented himself as the best ever. And even in defeat last night, Tom Brady still showed you that he could get it done at a very high level. So I don't think that the Patriots are going anywhere. I think they are still going to be one of the teams to look out for in 2018 in the AFC. And on the NFC side, I mean, Philly was able to break through this season from all of those young and upcoming teams. You look at the Rams, a lot of people expect them to be good once again next year. Uh, I'm looking at some teams to try to see what they can do in the draft, like the New York Giants. I know they had a bad year. Green Bay is going to get Aaron Rodgers back, but what about the team that they're going to put around him? New Orleans still has Drew Brees. I know he's a free agent, but I don't see Brees going anywhere. So you're definitely going to have to keep an eye on them. What are the Carolina Panthers going to do? Can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take that next step? What's up with the Atlanta Falcons? What is Jerry Jones going to do with the Dallas Cowboys? These are questions that will be answered over the next few months. How do the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, rebound, you know, from their tough playoff loss? Can the Jacksonville Jaguars now take that next step when everybody expects them to win? These are questions that, you know, will be answered in the coming months, but I think it was a solid NFL season. All 32 teams are going to sit back and regroup right now. Philadelphia has earned the right to party. I know that there are some of their fans have really taken it to another level. That's another topic for another day, but this organization deserved it. Congrats to them. And now it's time to focus on the 2018 NFL season. So folks, that is going to wrap it up. And I want to thank you for another fantastic season here on blogtalkradio.com with the 300 pounds of sports knowledge show. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Going to take a little uh, siesta for a little bit. I'll come back uh, later this month. I'll have my uh, second half preview show uh, for the NBA. I'll give you a date and time for that. You can stay tuned. And as always, you can check me out on Twitter at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it'll be my pleasure to follow you right back. There's also the sports discussion group on Facebook at the Sports Depot 365. You can check it out. Drop a line, become a member, and be a part of one of the best social media debates going in the world of sports. As always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. It's a pleasure to see you grow and grow and grow on a daily basis. And as always, a big-time shout-out to 150 Pounds of Sports Knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, have a wonderful night, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. Thank you.